Good morning. We trust that your morning began as bright and fair for you as it did for the disciples of our Lord Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago when he rose from the grave. We're taking a break this morning from our study in the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But before doing that, we want to acknowledge our health care providers in these many weeks of COVID-19 pandemic. We appreciate your spirit of selflessness and exposing yourself to danger while others of us take refuge at home. Just learned uh, a few minutes ago of uh, one of our healthcare providers who, um, who has contracted the, the virus. So uh, we give you our heartfelt thanks. Our hearts go out as well to those who have lost loved ones in this storm of illness. And for those whose family members are stricken, we ask the Lord for his safety and comfort for you. In looking at the Lord Jesus' resurrection this hour, we want to answer at least two questions. What is the power of Christ's resurrection? Paul refers to this in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians 3.10. Paul's, um, Paul's prayer was that he might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Uh, The apostles sought to know, that is to experience personally, the power of Christ's rising from the dead. And uh, that's our first question. The second question is, how does this resurrection power display itself in the life of a disciple? So, first question, what is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? The apostle uh, writes a brief description of it in his um, uh, letter to the Ephesians. His desire was that the Ephesian believers might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's amazing. The... um, Uh, the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then in his uh, prayer for the Colossians, in uh, Colossians 1.11, Paul tells them, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Although he does not specifically mention the Lord Jesus' resurrection in uh, his prayer for the Colossians, this is uh, parallel scripture with his desire for the Ephesians. So the effect of this power Um, he uh, told the Colossians this uh, strength with all might according to his glorious power is walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So with, um, with those scriptures in mind, we adopt for our definition then, that the resurrection power of Christ 
is God's supernatural enabling of his follower to live victoriously, fruitfully, delightfully for him. Okay, that uh, then um, is the definition of the um, resurrection power of Christ. How does this resurrection power manifest itself or display itself in the life of a disciple? For that, let's look at the life of one of Jesus' disciples at the time of his resurrection. Who comes to mind? Peter. Why Peter? Well, because Peter is shown in Scripture to be so human. Many of us can relate to his struggle and failings, uh, the struggle of doubt versus faith, of denial versus devotion. And then, because Scripture records for us how profoundly the Lord transformed this life through his resurrection. So, let's consider three seasons of Peter's life during the um, brief Three years, the short years that he followed the Lord Jesus. We'll look at Peter, the self-confident disciple. Peter, the discouraged disciple. Peter, the disciple confident in Christ alone. And finally, we'll make application by looking at Christ's resurrection power in his disciple today. Lord, we, uh, we beg you for your... Um, Ability, uh, your um, communication of your truth to hungry souls, those who desire this experience of the power of your resurrection. We pray that you'd be with us in the, in the special way by your spirit and your word. Amen. Peter, the self-confident disciple. We meet Peter in John chapter 1. Verses 40 uh, through 42. One of the two who heard John, that is John the Baptist, speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he, that is Andrew, brought him, that is Peter, to Jesus. It's important for us to note that even from the start, Jesus' disciples recognized him as the Messiah. As an extrovert and a natural-born leader, Peter quickly distinguished himself as the lead disciple. When Peter acted, he often did so as a representative of the others. When Peter spoke, he often revealed what was on the hearts of his fellow disciples. The first two years of ministry with the Lord Jesus were full and fruitful. Mark's, uh, Mark reveals in chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Verse 12, so they went out and preached that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. It seemed inevitable. It seemed um, 
quite realistic to the disciples that Jesus was preparing for his reign on the earth and would soon throw off the shackles of the oppressive Roman domination. And certainly this would be in keeping with Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's not difficult to imagine the disciples' shock and dismay in um, later in the ministry. Matthew tells us in uh, 16.21, from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. The disciples did not understand the Lord's prophecy, though it too was in keeping with Scripture. Like the same prophet Isaiah, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Peter, perhaps in his role as a lead disciple, took the Lord aside and rebuked him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. The Lord Jesus then turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The Lord Jesus had a clear vision, an understanding of what his father desired. And he knew the opposition that would arise. He saw that opposition fueling Peter's rebuke. Jesus' whole life and soon death on the cross was the most directed, purposeful, deliberate life and death in history, past, present, and future. There was no room for distraction or second-guessing or wavering, but only for total commitment and devotion to his Father's will. Jesus could not be satisfied until his Father was satisfied. And we see the satisfaction in Isaiah, again, 53, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." May I ask you a, an intensely personal question? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ who has so deliberately, so purposefully gone to the cross and borne your sin there?
If not, do not wait until the end of this week, nor till the end of today, nor till the end of this message. Trust Him now. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. We have this moment here. The decision that you make for or against the Lord Jesus is a decision that affects your entire eternity. Either in Christless torment or in the bliss of His presence. Eternity makes your 20 or 40 or 60 or 100 years seem as a drop in the ocean. Choose Christ. Choose Him today. He has deliberately, purposefully gone to the cross for you. Peter must keenly have felt the sting of the Lord's rebuke, but it didn't shake his self-confidence. But the Lord Jesus would warn his disciples again of his impending betrayal and death. He said uh, in uh, reading from Mark 9, 31 and 32, he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And then a third time later in the ministry, he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Note the disciples' response. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. The Lord fully resolved to lay down his life at Jerusalem. His disciples heard him, but they didn't understand him. Spiritually, they were dull. They did not comprehend what the Lord said. Note this vital component in the Lord's prophecy. The third day he will be raised up. He will rise the third day. The third day he will rise again. The Lord, enforcing uh, that, um, emphasizing that to his disciples, he will rise again. This too was in keeping with Old Testament prophecy. Back in um, the book of Job, Job was a contemporary of Abraham. We're talking um, five, more than 5,000 years ago. I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. There are many Psalms that refer as well to the resurrection of our Messiah, Jesus. If we follow Peter to the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus there observed the last Passover and instituted the Lord's Supper. The Lord had another prophecy for his followers <clears throat> that they would scatter that night. Reading from Matthew 26. 
Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. In contradiction to the Lord Jesus' stern warning, Peter asserted his undying allegiance to his Lord. And it drew forth a chorus of promises from the other disciples. Later that evening in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus asked his closest disciples, James, John, Peter, to watch and pray with him. Jesus, in this moment of anguish, desired their support. And they, the disciples, needed protection from the temptations of the following day. With characteristic self-confidence, Peter dismissed the Lord's request and sank into sleep. Not only did the disciples scatter when confronted by the armed multitude that came to arrest Jesus, Peter among them, but later on that morning outside the residence of the chief priest, uh, Peter denied three times even knowing the Lord Jesus. Peter went out and wept bitterly. We learn from Peter's failure that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter's self-confidence vanished. He had no confidence in anyone at that point. Peter, the discouraged disciple. And when they had mocked Jesus, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and let him out. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Friday before sundown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea gently removed the Lord's body from the cross and buried it in a stone tomb. More than the, the Messiah had died that day. So did the vision that the disciples had nurtured and cherished for over three years. Where would you be as his disciple? You had labored so sacrificially. You'd walked away from the family business. 24-7, you were laboring with this one, the Messiah. What a sorry scene. It was only 
that Sunday before that the disciples had heard the crowds chant, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And here it was Friday evening. A, a, an eerie silence fell over the land. Friday evening, all day Saturday, Sunday morning, low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Several figures moved through that Sunday pre-dawn darkness to the burial place of the Messiah. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women. As they approached the tomb, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. It was open. It was empty. The body was gone. So the women ran and told the disciples, He's gone. His body's gone. But to the disciples, their words seemed like empty, idle tales. Nevertheless, Peter and John ran to the tomb. And yes, indeed, the body was, indeed, was, was missing. And like the sun slowly rising on that Judean landscape that morning, John seemed to be the first to comprehend, the Lord is risen. Christ arose. So why, with the, with the testimony of the angels at the graveside, at the gravesite, were the disciples and women so slow to take on, to take in the fact of the Lord's resurrection? Simply put, we believe what we want to believe until the indisputable, indisputable facts strong arm our doubts. The angels watching over the tomb give us an insight into living with resurrection power. The angel said, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Remember his words, the angel said. And the ladies, the, the women there at the tomb remembered his words. The disciple living in resurrection power must take to heart the words of Jesus. He or she must be a person of this book. Paul told Timothy, he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Christ arose. Peter, still the dejected disciple, though now convinced of the Lord's resurrection, he still carries the wounds of his denial of Jesus in that uh, courtyard of a mock trial. It seems that his guilt clouded the radiance of the dawn of the Lord's rising again. The Lord Jesus favored his disciple with a private conference. Jesus drew afresh out of his disciples' heart uh, devotion to him. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Peter said, each time, you, uh, you know that I love you. Peter was, um, 
was grieved as uh, the Lord asked him the third time. And so Peter told the Lord, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Gone was Peter's bravado, his self-assertiveness, his self-confidence. In real self-distrust, Peter didn't proclaim his undying love for his Lord, but he deferred to Jesus' knowledge. Lord, you know all things, even this faint, frail heart, prone to failure. You know that I love you. And through this uh, public restoration, this affirmation of Peter's love for his master, he was free to serve in resurrection power. Here is a second key to living in the power of Jesus' resurrection. It is simply to receive his forgiveness. The Lord paid heavily for it. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, we must, we must receive Jesus' forgiveness and not uh, carry, um, carry guilt around after we have repented and confessed our sin. A third key to living in um, resurrection power is found in that same interview with, um, with the Lord Jesus in John chapter 20. John chapter 21. Peter found this, this relief in um, his restoration to the Lord Jesus. And um, as they got up and, and started to leave, Peter turned around and saw the apostle, the, the disciple John. And uh, Peter asked the Lord, he said, uh, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And this brief phrase in verse 22, till I come, is the third key. Christ's, Christ's disciple should look ahead to a future accounting till he comes. An evaluation of our service for him on earth, a performance review. Peter had heard this before because the Lord had told him as recorded in Matthew 16, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Many of us are used to um, uh, periodic performance evaluations um, where we sit down one-on-one -on -one with our manager, our authority, and he, uh, he tells us what we did right and what we did wrong. And we will have this opportunity as a disciple with our master, the Lord Jesus. We should keep this in view 
weigh every action, weigh every attitude with uh, knowledge that I'm going to be explaining this to, uh, to the Lord Jesus in a coming day, soon perhaps, soon. A fourth key is to rely on the presence of the risen Christ. He told his disciples before he left them, he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And the writer of Hebrews said, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Count on the Lord Jesus being present with you. Peter emerges out of his despondency and we find a new Peter. We find Peter confident in Christ alone. In the book of Acts, we, um, we hear the Lord commission his disciples and he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the, to the end of the earth. And three times in the beginning of this book, Peter preached in the power of the spirit of the risen Christ. Gone was his self-assertive bluster. Look at Acts chapter 2. The um, disciples had spoken in tongues and there was a, a criticism of them. And so Peter stood in verse 14 and um, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And he explains Old Testament prophecy and how this pouring out of God's spirit was fulfillment of that prophecy. And uh, then he turns uh, very personal and uh, in verse 21 he says, It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and have put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw, foresaw always the Lord before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad, Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Peter continues and um, explains that uh, the patriarch David was buried and uh, subject to corruption, but that um, in verse 32, um, that Jesus, this Jesus, God has raised up, of which they were all witnesses. And in verse um, 36, 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus, the thrill of uh, Jesus' resurrection not wearing off, uh, confronted, challenged these men, brought them to uh, realization that um, the Lord Jesus was, in fact, um, Lord and, uh, and risen again. And then he called them to repentance and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no denying the Lord Jesus here. Then a second sermon in uh, Acts 3. They healed a lame man and the um, people um, thought that uh, it was Peter who had healed them. So in uh, Acts 3, Verse, um, f- verse 12, when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though our own power or godliness we had um, made, this man to, made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his, all his prophets, that the Christ was suffered, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. We find Peter... <clears throat> Powerful in his exhortation, in his um, uh, applying God's word to these um, these needy hearts. In his after his first um, sermon, there were thousands, three thousand souls who um, trusted the Lord and were baptized. We see. Um, we see the power of the resurrection in these results as well. A third message, a third sermon was um, to the Sanhedrin. <clears throat> they were very unhappy with the, um, with the healing and the, uh, the attributing the healing to the Lord Jesus. And so the Sanhedrin uh, arrested them and brought them before them.
We look at um, verse 5, Acts uh, 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they uh, had set them, that is, um, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And this stone which was rejected by you builders has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The response of the Sanhedrin was, in verse 13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Uh, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. A pair of Uneducated Galilean fishermen took on the top religious leaders of their day and, uh, and rebuked them. We see in uh, verse 18, so they, that is the Sanhedrin, called Peter and John and uh, commanded them not to speak at all or, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter changed. Peter was, um, saw uh, the Lord Jesus and um, dramatically changed his life. So what, what about the disciple today? What about the, um, the Lord's disciple here now? In response to Peter's example, to the Lord's challenge by his word this morning, you may preach as Peter did to thousands and see many come to Christ, perhaps using the marvel of YouTube or Facebook. We will support you and cheer you on. Or you may stand up to religious hypocrisy and challenge false apostles who misrepresent the name of our Lord Jesus. We will pray for you and thank the Lord for you. But don't miss the larger lesson from Peter's life, and that is to abandon your self-reliance and move in resurrection power it's that enabling, it's that uh, ability that God gives that allows us to walk worthy of him, to fully please him, to be fruitful in every good work, and to increase in the knowledge of God. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. 
ye dare not trust your own. Disciple of the Lord Jesus, take four keys with you to appropriate, to make your own God's resurrection power. First, remember the Lord Jesus' words to us, especially those regarding his death, burial, and resurrection. They give reality to our experience. They uh, put things in perspective for us. They give us direction. Second, receive the Lord's forgiveness for our disobedience and dishonoring and denying him. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. If we say we have no forgiveness, we make God a liar again. Receive his forgiveness, his gracious um, forgiveness. Third, look ahead to the day when the Lord Jesus will personally review your life's work. Do everything in anticipation of that day. And then finally, realize the presence of the risen Lord Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Rely on his guidance and enabling. Let's pray. We desire this resurrection power, Lord Jesus, we rejoice in your death for us on the cross and um, rejoice all the more for your rising again from the dead. We, um, we pray that we might honor you uh, in a way that uh, we can only by uh, appropriating using this resurrection power that you've made available to us. And so... Um, let us live as the, um, as the Apostle Peter lived for you. We ask, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.